Hello everyone, welcome to Own Your Truth. I am Brianna Johnson, your hostess. You are currently listening to episode 19, How to Teach Diversity, Acceptance, and Inclusion to Our Children. If this is your first time to the podcast, I would encourage you to listen to episode one to find out more about the channel. There you can also find more information about me. You're also welcome to visit my personal website. It's IamBriannaJohnson.com. Brianna is B-R-I-A-N-A. I am also the proud owner of Bahati Tea Company. I am a certified herbalist and create the blends myself. If you'd like to order some of our fantastic teas, you can find all of them on our online store at www.bahatiteacompany.com. Bahati is B-A-H-A-T-I. Let's go ahead and dive right in. Parenting is an interesting concept. Uh, It used to be, too, that we were told that there are no manuals for how to raise children, and I did the best that I could with you, and those aren't true anymore, and they can't be used as excuses because there's manuals and articles and documentaries and movies out the wazoo, and you can't just claim, well, I did the best that I can anymore because you're pretty much claiming that your best wasn't very good. If you're approaching it in that fashion, I did the best that I could. Well, you're pretty much saying that you were inept at whatever it was you're trying to compensate for. So there are no excuses as far as bad parenting anymore. And it's really in the hands of the parents. And I also don't subscribe to the notion that because of your economic status or financial situation, that you cannot be a good parent. I understand that finances weigh heavily on parents and their responsibilities to provide for their families, but that should never be something that is taken out on the children or a reason for the children to do without good, adequate, healthy parenting. So having said that, we're going to dive in today regarding diversity and acceptance and how to teach acceptance and inclusion to our children. First of all, I would like to point out and say that children are sponges and they pick up on everything that you say, everything that you do. So let's say little Timmy comes home and he has a note from the teacher and the teacher says that Timmy was using some four-letter word in class and your immediate response is, well, he didn't learn that from me chances are he did. Even if you didn't come out and say that to that child directly, he heard you say it or he heard you allow it into the environment where it was acceptable. So let's say, for example, you have great aunt Sophie over and she's constantly dropping that four letter word. No, you didn't teach your son directly that four letter word, but you taught him that in some manner that word is acceptable in your home. It is acceptable in some sort of context. And so he picked up on that clue of, well, it's okay for this person to say it because mom allowed that because mom or dad or my guardian, whoever that may be, is the one who sets the precedence for our home. So please, you need to get out of that mindset of, well, I didn't teach my child that. In a way, you did, because you're the one who sets the guidelines. You're the one who sets the parameters for what is allowed into your child's life and what is not. Now, as they get older, that changes. We shift that because we allow the children to have more responsibility, more flexibility, more exposure to 
the outside world, so to speak. They're not shut-ins. At least they're not supposed to be shut-ins. If they are, that's our responsibility too as parents and we have to wear that. Good, bad, or indifferent, we have that also as a responsibility. So going back to my original statement, we as parents are responsible for what our children learn, period. We are their first teachers. We are their first instructors. And this goes along with everything that goes on in the house, all right? So if we're in a relationship that's verbally abusive or physically abusive, we are sending certain messages to our children. Their interpretation of that is something we cannot control. But we are responsible for the environment that we place them in. How they receive that is something that we cannot really predict But it is also something that we should have dialogues about. We should communicate with them. Now, as far as a parent goes and your behavior, all right, there's no way that as a parent you can be a saint 24-7. But I'm also a true believer that we live, we physically act on the things that we truly believe. It's not about what we tell our children. It's about what we show our children. So, for example, I grew up in a house that advocated for no smoking, right? It was instilled in us. Drugs are bad. Drinking's bad. Uh, Tobacco use is bad. But all the adults around us showed a different story. Either they were habitual about drinking and smoking or they were adults that allowed that kind of behavior. So, it's okay for you to tell a child no, don't do this, but it's hypocritical when you show them something else. So it's a conflicting message that the children are getting and you cannot control how they interpret that. Either one, they're going, okay, you know, pay attention to what's being said and that's the golden rule and that's the standard I have to live by. Or they're looking at the other side and they're going, well, these guys are doing it and no one's stopping them. Or all of the bad things that you say would happen to me aren't really happening to them. They're living their life and they seem to be happy doing it. So I should be able to do that too. See what I'm saying? In that same fashion, you can't tell a child that God loves everyone and then you see something like the George Floyd incident on the five o'clock news and you say, well, it's just one life. Because again, you're setting a double standard. And it's been my understanding from observation, my own family life, my children, my friends that I'm around, other people's parenting styles, especially in church, you pick up on a few things. And it's been my observation that children tend to grow up with those double standards and they interpret them usually one of three ways. The first way is they completely fall in line with the same bad habits as the parents. And again, when, I, when I'm talking about that, I'm talking about what the parents are showing the children, not what, the ch- what they are telling the children. So if you are a gambler and you're telling your child you need to save your money no matter what, but they see that you never have the money to pay your gas bill, they're going to probably fall into that same category if they follow your footsteps. The second way that this could go is the complete opposite. The child wants to be nothing like you when they grow up, and so they do the exact opposite of everything that you do. And they usually end up being okay, but now there's this stigma 
in the relationship where they feel like they can't relate to you or that maybe they were tricked or lied to growing up. The third thing that can happen is that the child becomes almost indifferent to the parent's behavior. They may grow up okay and understand that they were raised with a double standard and they love their parents but also pity them. And that's where that line comes in, well, they did the best that they could. And I don't know about you, but none of those three examples are something that I really want my children to become. And that's definitely not how I want them to see me because I know that that puts a tarnish and a blemish on our relationship going forward when we're in the circle all as adults together. What I want for my children is to have this healthy relationship where they see that mom is a whole person. Yes, mom makes mistakes, but she's true to her word. She does what she says she's going to do. She means the things that she says. She can stand behind those. That's what I want for for my kids to look back and to look at me and go, you know, mom was someone of character. She was someone of integrity and of virtue. And I want them to be able to be that kind of a person when they are adults. And I want them to stand in their own beliefs. Not that they necessarily have to take on mine, but I want them to know that it's okay for them to develop their own sense of self. So what does that mean for us as parents going through this, right? It means that we have to keep ourselves in self-check. We have to say what we mean and do the things that we say. So the first part of that is to know where you stand. You have to go down almost like a laundry list of what do I believe? What do I want my children to believe? So let's say, for example, I want them to believe that all of God's creations, all men, women, children are created equal then I have to actively show that I believe that, all right? I will give you an example, okay? This is, this is a great one. My son Antonio used to play football for the high school. He, he didn't start in junior high like the other kids. He started in high school, I think it was a year or two into high school when he decided he wanted to take up football. And I was okay with that, um, but he was having difficulty one day on the field, and he didn't understand what the coaches were trying to tell him. So while he was on the sideline, this guy motioned for him to come over and he explained to him, you know, this is what your coaches are trying to tell you. He's like, okay, cool, got it. A few minutes later, Antonio's friends were just a group of them on the sidelines. They're like, oh my gosh, are you okay? He's like, yeah, I'm fine. Why? And the kids said, well, because that that black guy was talking to you. And quick as a whip, my son said, what are you talking about? My stepdad's black. You see, my son was never taught to treat black people with any kind of astigmatism. He wasn't afraid to talk to this gentleman, even though the entire community in which he lived at the time was primarily white. And clearly those other kids had learned something entirely different. And so Antonio had no problem telling these kids in his own way what you're saying is not okay. He showed them a different example of how to be because they hadn't seen that example before. So in this case, let's say their parents had taught them that, you know, everybody, regardless of skin color, in this particular case, 
that everyone should be treated the same. But even if that's what they were told, that's not what they were shown. They were shown that they need to be apprehensive about people of different color and maybe even fear them and that it's not okay to talk to them. That's not acceptance. That's not inclusion. And that's part of the stigmatism that we're fighting now in the United States is because there are stereotypes out there that cause division. They might seem benign or that they don't really matter or insignificant or too small, but they add up. And they're exactly what has caused the problems that we're facing today. Even ignoring someone else's biases or discrimination in a conversation and just letting that go is still saying something. Your silence is saying something. It's saying that that is okay, that that is acceptable in your presence, that that is acceptable for the masses, whoever's around you to hear that, especially when it comes to your children. Is it okay for great grandpa Billy to tell his favorite racist joke at Thanksgiving dinner? No, it's absolutely not. And he he's probably 70-some, 80-some years old. And in his world, where he grew up, that was not only okay, it was funny. It was acceptable. It's okay now to stand up and say, we don't tell those jokes anymore. If he continues, it's okay to not show up on Thanksgiving. Because in these circumstances, what's the most important thing is that your kids see and hear everything. You allow that kind of commentary to continue and your children believe that that's acceptable, that that racist humor is okay. And guess what? They'll be the next ones posting something on Instagram and then that message will get to the school and then the school principal is calling you and wanting to know why your child's doing this. There might even be a consequence. And all you're going to say is, they didn't learn it from me. As parents, there has to be an intolerance for hatred. There has to be. Our children have to see that that is one of our characteristics. That's how we create modern day heroes. Because when our time is up, they have to carry this torch. You, as their parent, have to make them strong enough to be able to carry that torch. They have to be able to know how to stand up for themselves effectively without being confrontational. They have to know how to shut down racism at the core. Who's going to teach them that if you don't? So I could spout off that, hey, it's important that there is diversity in your friends group. I could say that. I could say that it's important that you go and you volunteer for minorities groups, that you go to protests. All of those things are important. True. But what's really important is how you conduct yourselves day to day in the eyes of your children. That's what really matters. If you haven't been teaching your children that there has to be an intolerance to the hatred, then you have already failed them. And I hope for their sake that it's not too late to teach them because there's a lot of work to do coming down the pipeline. And you've seen what's happening to the people who demonstrate hatred. Pretty soon they're going to be the minority. They're going to be the ones that are outcast in society. 
no job, no social network, and they're not going to have the same freedoms and liberties as the people who have decided to be inclusive, to have a better acceptance and understanding of cultures, race, ethnicities, sexualities, genders, all kinds of things coming down the pipeline socially. Your children have to become whole, holistic, complete creatures, encompassing every aspect of human emotion in order to understand other people. Parents, as far as our children are concerned, we have one job, and that is to raise them right. And there are no second chances. There is a very slim margin for error if we screw this up. And I will say that it's disingenuous just to have a conversation to your children about race or to encourage them to have friends of multiple ethnic backgrounds because that's forced. It has to come from a place of genuine love and genuine inclusivity from a very young age. You shouldn't have to explain to your child that it's okay to be friends with the black boy or the black girl in their class. Because honestly, if you were setting a good example from the beginning, they wouldn't have had to make that distinction in the first place. They'd already be friends with that kid. I told a story a while back about me being in kindergarten. My very first kiss, five years of age, to a little black boy. We were playing in a sandbox. And because of my family's reaction, I intentionally did not date black men when I was living at home or even as an adult. I had to disown my family first before I realized that I'm a grown woman and I can do what I want. And secretly, without my parents knowing, I had a very diverse friends group, but I could not bring any man of color home. I ended up marrying a gentleman who was half Hispanic, but he passed because he looked white. That was as close as I could get to being in the type of relationship that I wanted to be in growing up. Parents should never underestimate their pull on their children's emotions. Never underestimate how much weight you have in their decisions, good or bad. You have a lot of influence. I believe it was yesterday I talked about each of us being that single drop of water in a still pool. And it's the same thing with our children's life. We make those waters move. We do. If we want to plant a seed in our children, we are the best possible people to do that. So make sure that you're planting healthy, wholesome seeds. I feel like this topic and any topic surrounding parenting is one that we could just go on for days. And I know this isn't the only time we will probably talk about parenting because it's something that's very, very near and dear to my heart. Coming from an abusive home to being the mother of four fantastic young men and to seeing their growth and their development and how super proud I am of them, it's it just... It's kind of like a fairy tale or Cinderella story. And I know that if I was able to flip the script 
and my upbringing to go from being this young woman who didn't want to have children because she was afraid that she would be abusive like her mother to going to the policy of, of no spanking, no corporal punishment, to open dialogues with my children and really having these discussions about what's going on in the world and showing them how to implement their beliefs and to stand up for what's right and to see them do that. To have those proud mama moments, you guys, that's something that I, I want to share. I want to be able to encourage the rest of you that if I can do it, one of the most unlikely of characters, I mean, the odds were completely stacked against me, then I know that there is hope for anyone who feels discouraged right now in their own parenting styles. And we can teach inclusion. We can teach acceptance. But just like everything, it comes down to who we are first. And we have to do that discovery process. We have to understand what we stand for and what we believe before we can act on it. And especially before we can teach it. Our children are so smart and they are capable of way more than you know. And they pick up on way more than you know. If you're not an active part in your child's daily life, if they don't want to come home and tell you about the day, then we've got to do some hard work here because there should be the situation where the kids are like, you know, I like telling my parents things. I want them to know what's going on in my life. And if you're thinking, oh, well, that's just weird. That's just strange. My teenage son, Tristan, tells his friends that I'm his best friend. He's going to be 20 this year. It is possible, guys. It is possible. I think I will leave it at that before I continue for a whole nother 20 minutes. Tomorrow's episode, we will be talking about how to eliminate the poor mentality. P-O-O-R. You'll definitely want to tune in to that one as we blast the stereotypes of poverty. Until then, you guys know what to do. Own your truth.